0: welcome back it's track 10 time welcome to welcome to another episode of nobody's muses this is rachel
1: this is crystal
0: we're so glad uh, you are joining us don't forget you can find us on youtube at nobody's muses on instagram at nobody's muses Um, you can find us wherever you stream your favorite podcast you can email us at Nobody's Muses at gmail.com. Please leave us comments, share this with your friends. Um, this episode may be ugly, <laughs> but we're gonna try to get through it because we are here. We are at the end. Um, not the end of the podcast. We're gonna keep going on with some things, um, but we're at the end of the Amazon original series, Daisy Jones and the Six, based off of Taylor Jenkins Re- Reed's best-selling novel of the same name. Um, And we are finally here to the end. This is track 10. um, And here we go. So we're going to try to get through this together. Um, We're going to try to, um, we are going to try to make a clear delineation and maybe not dive into the book and comparisons to the book. Um, And we're going to try, but it's hard. Um, But we're going to try that because this episode is very different from what occurs in the book. But we still think that the book needs to be discussed. So we that that's future episodes, right? That's what yes. we're going to try to do? Yes, we're going to do that. Okay. All right. Let's...
1: So it's Track 10, Rock and let's Roll Suicide. And it's written by Harris Danow. And his um, IMDb is just a, a lot of, um, obviously, stuff for um, Reese Witherspoon's company of some of those series. And then we're back with Nzinga, Nzinga Stewart, who directed um, – the previous episode and it's very exciting that she's directing it and then just um, Rock and Roll Suicide is from um, Ziggy Stardust the Z- Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars and it's all about how um, Ziggy Stardust basically was this you know rock and roll star and he let me read what uh summary says um, Ziggy Stardust was willingly killed by his flan- fans, a suicidal act which ended his stardom at its peak, yet it was a moment of unity and with its cries of you're not alone, give me your hands, "You're wonderful Bowie brought pathos and empathy and a moment of symbiosis between performer and audience. And I will put a link to this analysis in our show notes. But um, seems fitting appropriate. seems fitting appropriate so then we have another one of those kind of like we did the episode before which was also directed by Nziga Stewart we have the kind of like a, almost a cold open so we go straight from the, um, the opening credits and then we go to this and the structure of this episode I think is just excellent storytelling because they intercut flashbacks with concert concert footage, and each song becomes kind of like a Greek chorus where it's commenting on the action, and the lyrics we heard before in songs take on new meanings, and we'll kind of point those out as we go through the episode. Also, I think we should take a look for um, the use of mirrors with Daisy and Billy, and also the con- there's conver- there's um, references to dark and light that I think are worth noting. So now we go in it's the cre- the opening credits and then boom big old text says chicago and we see a slow motion from be- behind daisy as she's going on the stage and then that screen comes up again that we saw at the very beginning of the series on october 4th 1977 daisy jones and the six performed to a sold-out c- crowd at soldier field in chicago illinois and we know what happens after that it doesn't say but we know and it's and it is kind of like don't don't do in a way yeah. and then you know there's a huge crowd and it looks good it looks real um karen looks great everybody looks okay we you know we wouldn't necessarily know anything that was happening um daisy has on a white caftan and she raises her arms, and the crowd just goes wild with anticipation. And, like, man, that is, they do a really good job of capturing that energy of when a big concert like that starts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say both Eddie and Daisy are wearing white. Karen is in black. And um, um, Graham has, like, cool jeans on. And then I don't remember. Is Warren in the vest here, or is he in a blazer?
0: He starts out in a leather blazer, which I okay. thought was odd for a drummer.
1: Okay. So then um, Warren starts it up with Regret Me, and um, Graham looks a little mad, and then um, Daisy and Billy are singing to each other, and then 1997 Graham says, if you had told me that morning that would be our final performance, I would have laughed. Um, Karen is playing, and she she really looks genuinely upset. Um, Graham um, is just holding, closing his eyes, you know. Just like, I think, like trying to just, I'm just going to concentrate on playing good tonight, you know. Um, then you get a close up of Eddie with a big old black eye. Mm. And then 1997, Eddie, his, he doesn't, another one of those things where they don't, 97, Eddie says nothing. Warren says, I was just having such a good time. I didn't want to see it. In 1997, Karen doesn't say anything. She just looks like she's going to cry. And um, Billy is just really loose as he's singing. And um, Rachel, you noted that there's glitter on his face. Right. Um, 1997, Daisy, no words. She just tilts her head, like, thinking about it. Um, They finish the song, and Billy is, he's not acting normal. And Daisy notices and kind of gives him, like, a questioning look. And 1997, Billy says... There's a lot you don't know. And then Billy walks off the stage, and he takes a drink from a flask. And then we get the title screen, Track 10, Rock and Roll Suicide. So here we yeah. go. This is so it. So here we
0: go. We're taking off. We're taking off. Um, yeah, there's just so much to, like, pay attention to in this just short sequence. Um, again, they start with Regret Me. Which we know they fought about, even playing that, and Daisy got her way on that one. Um, and you know, you look, you know, you. I'm trying to figure out kind of where Warren, I mean, where Graham is, because I think we find out later in the episode where his where his mindset is. But at this point, if you come into this show and you hadn't read the book, and you're watching this, um. Knowing where Graham was coming from might be a little challenging. Um, But I think if you've been watching the series all along, you know that there's this conflict about Karen's pregnancy and what she ultimately ends up doing, her decision that she makes. Um, And I can't tell if he's, like, just trying to, like, power through and get through the show because all of this stuff has happened in a very tight timeline. Mm -hmm. Um, We've gone from playing the home show in Pittsburgh and them flying out in the morning Mm – to go to Chicago and then being in Chicago. So it's a super tight timeline. And we know that Karen goes to the clinic while she's in Pittsburgh um, and is on this plane and off to Chicago and ready to play again um, in the evening. So it's, you know, I don't know if Graham's just like, I'm trying to power through this and get through this and then we'll deal and we'll talk and I'll figure out what's wrong with her because he doesn't know that she's at this point well. Yeah, at this point, she he doesn't know that she's done anything yet. Yeah, he does. We don't does know that he knows. We don't know that he knows. Okay. Um, but again, is it just he's powering through it and trying to get through it? And then I'll deal with the emotions. I'll talk to her. We'll figure this out. We'll fix it. Um, or if he's just pissed and he's just done and he's just trying to get through it. I think at the end of, you know, at the end of this scene where we see Billy walking off stage and him having a flask. I, you know, it's very. It's, it's, it's a pretty heavy it's a pretty heavy foreshadowing about what's about to play out. Yeah. Because something has sent him to the point where he is starting to drink again. Yeah. yeah. Um. And so that's really, you know, I don't know what it is like to break sobriety. So I don't know what that feeling is. But I I was really curious about how he was feeling. Physic- not only you know, emotionally and mentally, but also like how was he feeling physically? Like how was his body reacting to the alcohol that had not been in his system for a very long time? At this point, not not super long, because that was one thing that that we that I took a step back and researched and was like trying to figure out the timeline. Um, so he hasn't been sober sober for a super long time, maybe like a year and a half. Um, but he got out of rehab 75 and this is 77 so you know he's been he's been sober for a couple years but i'm curious about the physical reaction but you know that's just kind of a thing that just sparked my interest as, as i was watching this scene but yeah we break into um we are ready to start the episode rock and roll suicide um and we're ready to take off, so we go back ten hours and we go to 10, eleven. What they said was eleven fifty four a.m. So basically, we're getting where the last episode ended. They flew in from Chicago that morning. Now they're or flew in from Pittsburgh into Chicago, and now they're in Chicago and they're they're hanging out in the um, lobby trying to get checked in and everything. And you know, Julia is tugging on mommy, 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 and Camilla looks really upset um teary-eyed and she just kind of passes over julia to their nanny and you know billy's inquiring with her is everything all right and she just looks at me she's i don't know billy is it um billy doesn't understand where this is coming from but again we know we know at the end of the the last episode camilla saw everything that was going on at the house in pittsburgh between daisy and billy And so she's aware of this. She's not said anything to him, but she is – her mind is racing about all the things that could potentially be going on between the two of them. But um, Rod stops and interrupts them and hands them their room key, reminds them, sound checks at four. And he goes through and he's – you know, you see Warren and Eddie walking up. And, you know, they're talking about the show. And I'm having a feeling that Eddie's – Sharing frustrations about what happened at the show with Warren. But he's like, I saw you. I saw your fucking grandma, dude. She was having a great time. But Eddie is pissed. And again, he reminds them check is at four. Karen and Graham walk up together. Seems like everything's okay. They're chatting. Um, reminds them that, again, sound check is at four. Not at 4.05. And they're like, okay. You're not 4.15. Okay. Um, and then we see coming from far behind, we see Daisy walking up. And um coming to get her key. And Rod says, So, what do you think? Is today gonna be the day that you don't lose your keys? And Daisy just looks at him and says, I want you to think about how boring your life would be without me, Rod. Um, and he says, Sound checks at three, and he turns around and walks off. And she says something about, I know about Daisy Standard Time, which I don't know if you have anybody in your family, but there are members of my family where you have to tell them you have to set Daisy standard time for them because they're never on time. Um, but she turns around and Simone is there. Um, and they greet each other. They're so excited to see each other. She's been kicking in Chicago. Daisy thanks her for coming. Um, everything seems good. And then they decide to go get something to eat. So they head off to a restaurant and they're just sitting and chatting. Um, Daisy makes some comment about it. it's just like the old days, two chicks playing rock and roll, and Simone laughs and points out, but this time it's going to be in front of 50,000 people. Um, but everything seems good. You know, they're talking about um, – they start talking about her – Simone's deal with Attic Records and what that's going to look like, and Simone um, lets her know that she turned it down. And Daisy says to her, I thought that's what you always wanted. And And this is a really – um, this this little exchange here, I really, really liked because she said that that's what I thought. But then she thought about like her why, you know, why her first record flopped. Was it about, you know, the songs that I chose? What is it? Was it about my voice? But in New York, she found this community and she said, I realized, you know, I knew my voice. I've always known my voice. I was just afraid to use it. But in New York, I stopped being afraid and people went nuts they are saying um no to the, and then they kind of have this conversation and Daisy said you know our Simone said it ultimately says something along the lines of they were saying no to the things that mattered like family like friends and Daisy just kind of looks at her and says oh you turned down a record deal for love you sentimental bitch but again we're circling around and not really saying what we know to be true um, well, and you know, that would be one thing if the, if this series was made in the seventies where we couldn't say things like that, we would say people were roommates and stuff like that, but it's a 19, you know, it's 2023. Just, I, again, we go I back to, why can't we just, like she can't say, yeah,
1: they wanted Name me what it to is. break up with Bernie.
0: Yeah. They wanted me to and, hide
1: that I was gay. Like, I don't understand this choice in the show And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I can see even if it's like, well, maybe they want it to be more broad audience, but there's nudity and there's lots of cussing. So, like, what's, why?
0: Yeah, because again, I I mean, I can understand if the show was shot in that time and you would make those statements, like kind of be vague about it. But But the reality is, is that between these two friends and in a true conversation, they would have said the real thing and so we're shooting this in 2021 20, 22 2020 whatever we're shooting it in modern times if you and i are having a conversation something may be discussed that's not socially acceptable but we're between two friends we're going to be truthful we're going to be honest and we're going to be real so i'm not sure why they took the slant of not naming things that needed to be named
1: well and Simone Okay, I can even give Simone, maybe she's not ready to say, I am gay. But they definitely could have said, they wanted me to hide Bernie. Yeah. I don't know, I just don't, you know, it's a weird choice to me.
0: Yeah. But, um, so then, we get to this moment, and they're sitting there, and Daisy just kind of, she just looks at her and she says, I don't, I don't think I can do this anymore with him. It's not just about not being able to keep up with the stress of the tour, not being able to keep up with the rigorous, you know, the stress on my body, the temptations, the sobriety, the not being sober. Um, But she just says, I can't, I don't think I can do this anymore with him. And Simone says to her, as a good friend should say, if it hurts you this much, then maybe you shouldn't. And that to me is what a good friend would have said. You know, it's not buck up, keep trying, you really wanted this, you know, you just need to fight through it. No, it's like, you know what this is doing to your friend, it's destroying you. And so, you know, maybe, maybe it's time to say no more. But we cut back and this is, I think one of the great things about this episode is that we're, we're bouncing back and forth between that morning and the show and that morning and the show. And so we bounce back to the concert and um, Billy is singing Kill You to Try Um, and Daisy is looking at Billy with just all kinds of questions in her eyes. And, you know, at that point in time, the lyrics that are going as she's kind of looking at him as they've cut back is that I've been an angel all summer long. I swear I've done nothing wrong. I want all your tears to be gone. Come home. Cape Cod, Santa Fe, a little house in Marina Del Rey. So close to get so far away. Come along. Come on home.
1: Yeah. And so then we cut to 12.55 p.m. And Camilla is walking out of the hotel room. And um, Billy is following, following her. They've obviously already started argument an argument. And he's like, where is this even coming from? And Camilla says, I saw you in the kitchen this morning, the way that you were looking at each other. And Billy is like, we've talked about this. It's what people want to say. It's an act. You know that. So people in the kitchen wanted to see that? Okay. Um, Camila just says, just tell me the truth. We are both adults. We've both done things. And Billy at first is like, there's not. And then he's like, what do you mean? What does that mean? You've done things. And she says, you know what I mean? And he goes, I don't think so. And then Camila um, switches back to how long has it it been going on? And Billy yells, there's nothing going on. And then Billy admits, all right, I kissed her once ages ago for like a second, but that's it. I swear to God, it meant nothing. Camila says, tell me you don't love her. You can't even say it, can you? And there's then, a pause there. Yeah. And then Daisy walks up, and it's like, oh, it's so. And then Camila says, I'm done here. And Billy. Then Daisy, Billy looks at Daisy and he's like, she thinks we're having an affair. She thinks I'm in love with you. And Daisy says, so what did you say? And Billy says, I told her the truth that nothing happened and nothing ever will. And then you see Daisy with just a tear going down her face. Yeah. Oh, my God.
0: Yeah. The, the, the point in which she says, you know, tell me, you know, tell me you don't. Tell me you don't love her, and then there is a really long pause because she's giving him this opportunity to say, "I don't love her." Yeah, and she's like, "You can't even say it." Right? You can't even say it. He
1: because we've known this is this is a person. The more the more we talk about this episode, the more it is actually a lot about kind of what sobriety really means and how we the lies we tell the lies we all tell ourselves, but especially addicts tell themselves. Because Billy says. I didn't do anything. Nothing happened. So that's that's as good as not loving her. Like, you know what I'm saying? You know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because, because if actually, nothing happened, then yes. I, obviously, I obviously don't love her because I didn't sleep with her. So obviously I can justify and say, oh, I don't love her, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to say it because in reality he can't say it to himself. He can't say it to anybody else because he... I don't know if it, he does love her or he doesn't know if he doesn't love her
1: that's what i think
0: he doesn't know he doesn't know if he truly loves her or if it's that he cannot decide if he loves her or not i
1: think he's very conflicted i think he he can there's a part of him that daisy sees that no one else sees and then but just to be so cruel whenever billy whenever daisy asks and what did you say and he says told her nothing happened and nothing ever will when he knows just few hours before daisy said we should be together
0: yeah and this isn't the first time that he's been cruel to her in that way where he's giving her he's given her glimmers of hope mm-hmm. to think that something could happen and then in the next step he's making it very clear that nothing is ever going to happen when we don't honestly when he doesn't believe it himself and neither does Daisy.
1: Yeah.
0: So then we cut back to the concert. Daisy is a little bit off stage, kind of behind a amp and she is taking a bump of Coke. Um, and Billy introduces um, no words, the song, no words, very slow, quiet song. He's like, how, how you feel in Chicago? You know, kind of one of those things. I tell you how well I was feeling, but I always end up saying the wrong thing. So then we cut to Graham and Karen playing, and just the look on Graham's face as Billy is saying that line about "I'd I tell you how I've, I was feeling, but I always say the wrong thing." So then we go back to the morning, and it's Graham and Karen in an elevator, and this is kind of similar to the to the book, um, but they are obviously coming. It seems like they're coming downstairs. Um, and you know, they're, they're in this and Graham leans over and kind of kisses, um, Karen on the head and says, are you okay? And then he's like, well, maybe you should see a doctor, you know, um, thinking again that she's just feeling pregnant and Graham, uh, Karen says to Graham that Graham, I, I took care of it. And he's like, you know shocked you know what you know kind of thing and it's there's a point where he's i guess he pushes another button on the elevator and he exits off the elevator early yes yes um and she's just kind of left there alone um to finish the ride by herself and she's very i mean you could tell she's she's heartbroken and she's emotional and um to have him just walk out when when she admits to what she had already taken care of in, in um,
1: the Pittsburgh. Abortion. But, yeah. The abortion?
0: Yeah. The abortion, the abortion, the abortion. The abortion that she chose to have um, in Pittsburgh. So then we go back into the concert again. And we have Karen and Graham just looking really, really sad. Um, and we go into the lyrics that are running at that time. Um, there ain't no words... To the song, I'm here to sing. No, there ain't no words to the song I came to sing. Oh, I just don't know the words, babe, to tell you what I mean. And I'm at the end of my mind trying to do the right thing. And I think this is a, this is a really good line. I, you know, Graham, I know that Graham's coming, I feel in my heart. At this point, at this point. Um, Graham is really convicted, because I truly think he loves Karen. Um, he really would have loved to have had a baby. But he also loves Karen. So he's like, I, I don't know what to do right now. I, you know, it's hard for me to want to comfort her if she's not, you know, feeling well. And after after having the abortion, because again, I wanted this. So I think he has some conflict coming up, but they're they're playing this song and it comes to kind of this you know, again it's a quiet song in general, but Daisy walks over and goes and sits right next to Karen on the bench at her piano while she's playing and kind of leans her head over and they both just look so sad. Um and again, we we've avoided saying things throughout this episode. So how do Karen – how do Karen and Daisy connect like this not knowing what's going on in each other's lives at this point? Like to me, it's like as great as this is and as emotional as this looks, to me it tells you that they didn't even really know each other because Daisy has no idea what is going – had no idea what was going on with Graham and Karen. And in turn, Karen doesn't know what's going on between Billy and Daisy other than what they've seen during the recording process, but what's truly going on and the things that have been said and the actions that have happened and things that have gone on with Camilla. Um, So I don't know. I was really, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they did um, the work to make that little exchange really pay off. Right. But I just really, I wish that we'd had more. When when the first time I saw it, every time I've seen that little exchange, I'm like, I wish that they had had more scenes together. Right. I mean, they did have those scenes, you know, at the end of the last episode. There are moments where obviously she's, and I know that's, you know, they had a limited number of episodes and time, so I get it. But I would have liked a few more personal scenes between Karen and Daisy.
0: Yeah. And that's it. I, I keep trying to remind myself, you know, you only have so many minutes, You only have so much time. You only have so many characters that you can put into this because I do think the relationship between between Karen and Daisy was more in the book. Mm -hmm. But this just seemed again, you know, it's like, how are we? I guess a a hurt person recognizes another hurt person. So maybe that's what it is. But they had really they were not as close. Mm -mm. The relationship was not as close as I think it could have been and it should have been. But maybe that. That was because they were all too caught up in their own stuff, you know, yeah. easily so, um, caught up in their own stuff.
1: So then um, it's back at the hotel now. It's 131 and Daisy is in a ballroom sitting at a piano singing um, type of guys. And then she, um, she's singing um, affectations put you in your place. The painting leaves you empty eyed. And I'm that same type of guy. I mean, I just like it's just like a cor- the chorus here of people, of co- the music is commenting on what's happening here. So Camila walks in as she stops singing, and um, Daisy looks over at her and says, "He's telling you the truth. There's nothing going on between us, not like that, anyway." And Camila says, "So what? It's like what is it like then?" And Daisy says, "I don't know. You're his first love. You're the mother of his child." And Camila stops her and says, "So, what?" He- so he's with me out of some sort of obligation, and Daisy says that's not what I'm saying. And Camilla says that's exactly what you're saying—that he's with me because he's Billy fucking done, and it's the right thing to do. And Daisy says, "You know he loves you, Camilla. Camilla, he's yours. He's always—he'll always be yours. You are who he'll choose every fucking time." And um, Camilla kind of is like, so you know well, what are you going to do about that? And she says, and I just have to live with that. And then Camilla says, you two are so much alike, you think that you are these two lost souls that are just fumbling their way through the dark, but you deserve each other. And in this scene, Daisy is wearing, like, she's been wearing dark colors, and Daisy, you know, and she's very covered up, like, she usually, like, does wear a coat, but then she's, like, you know, got barely anything on underneath, and this time, she's kind of got a shirt that's up high, and she is, where she's sitting, there's a big curtain behind her, and she's dark. And mm-hmm. then on the other side, you got Camila. Camila's, like, in this cream-colored, beautiful kind of coat. And then it's the, the, that side of the ballroom is very light. And, I mean, the contrast just in the way they, they, they look. Daisy is the dark, and Camila is the light. You know, it's pretty obvious what they're talking about here. And she – and I do wonder, and I wanna, wanted to ask you, like, what does Camila mean when she says – because there's this big pause, and she's – you know, when she says, you – are these two lost souls that are just fumbling their way through the dark and then but. And then she just stops, and I think she was going to say something else, and then she just goes, you deserve each other.
0: Yeah, that pause pause said a lot. I'm not – I can't say that I 100% know what Camilla was going to say, but that pause says a lot because she took the time to – Really think through what she was about to say, even though it was, I mean, it wasn't a huge pause, but it was still enough to give her a point in time to think. And then she was just, and then I think it was just a moment of just like, I'm done. I'm just done having this conversation with you. This is getting us nowhere. You deserve each other.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, my take was kind of also that, um, Daisy and Billy are these two people who really define themselves by being, I'm so tortured. Mm Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and Camila, you know what? We don't know Camila what pain she suffered. We know she's p- suffered some obvious pain because of Billy, but somehow she's this person who, who works to fix things, works to be positive, and not destroy herself.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'd be curious to know what that pause, what she, what she initially, and I mean, uh, what she you was going to through... A, Huh
1: what, like, what was she gonna say?
0: like what was she gonna say?
1: yeah,
0: and you know these scenes in the book, um again, kind of things play out very differently from the book to the show, um but both are independently very, very powerful in the way they finish telling the story um and they both i I enjoyed them both, um but yeah, I'm curious as to what what she might have said there, so you know, at this point, Daisy's in this ballroom. Camilla's in this ballroom, and we come back to Billy, who's sitting in their hotel suite, and he's playing his guitar. And he just picks it up and smashes it over the table. And about that time, um, the, there's a knock at the door, and Billy kind of rushes frantically over there, thinking maybe it was Camilla who came back. Um, and then he figured out that it was <laughs> that it was Eddie, and he was highly disappointed. Um, and I think there were some f bombs dropped. But it was just Eddie and Eddie comes in and looks around the suite and sees this broken album and or this broken guitar and says, Jeez, man, what the fuck happened? Um and he was like, What do you want? you know, kind of thing. And he he makes this comment about, Well, uh I, I wanted to tell you myself, I wanted to do this like a man. Um, but he tells Billy that he's quitting the band. After this, I'm done. I'm out. And Billy just kind of like very dismissively laughs at him. Um, and he said, No, I'm done. I'm done with this shit. And Billy's like, What shit? And then Eddie Eddie starts and Eddie finally says all the things that he has been wanting to say since 1968, mm-hmm. you know, um, when the Dunn brothers formed. He was like, um, you don't even know, do you, how hard it is from the start, the Dunn brothers' days, as if Warren and I didn't exist. But hey, I'm a team player, I went along. I even gave up my goddamn guitar for you. I didn't want to play bass, but we needed a bass player. So I stepped up. So what? And then he's, you know, he's played his bass. But then he says, you know, I stepped up. And for what? To hear that the masters, that you re-recorded my parts, you think I wouldn't have noticed? But that shit shit in Pittsburgh, that was the last straw, which we know, you know, there's a song that was supposed to be Eddie and, and Daisy on stage and... Billy took the, took the guitar and went out there and played with Daisy for that part. And, um, you know, you would, that was the last straw, the moment that I had that one moment on stage and you took that from me. In, my, in our hometown show, my grandmother was at that show, you piece of shit. When the tour ends, I am out. And so Billy says, I think you feel slighted. You need to feel slighted. Otherwise, you're going to have to deliver. And you can't deliver. You're just not good enough. Oh, my God. And Eddie says, if you only knew. And Billy's, like, not understanding what he's talking about. And he's, like, and he leans into him. And he just kind of whispers. And he's, like, or he talks really low. And he says, use your imagination. And that's when... Billy punches Eddie, throwing him back into the to the piano Um, and Eddie comes back up um, and swings on Billy and he says, this is your fault. You did this. So, again, we have we have another opportunity where things weren't said. And how is Billy just supposed to automatically assume from this this exchange that. Eddie and Camilla slept together? How was he supposed to get that out of this small exchange?
1: I don't know. I don't I know. I don't know why he wouldn't have said, I slept with your wife. I
0: fucked your wife. I yeah, mean, you know, if I mean, you really he, wanted to get that dig in before you left the band, I fucked your wife.
1: Yeah. Yeah. While you I've were known out her there, longer. you were over there fucking around with Daisy, I fucked your wife. Like, I don't, I don't know that. Why? Um...
0: I mean, but. to me, if I'm going to go out in a blaze of go- glory and scorched earth, I'm going to say it. I'm going to name yeah. it. Um, yeah, I'm going to name it. But um, we come back to the concert and it, they're playing look me in the eye when this is going on. And so look me in the eye, turn around, look me in the eye, turn around, say it to my face. And, you know, we see, I mean, Daisy looks beautiful at this point. She looks like a rock god. Um, and, you know, once again, we see Billy with glitter on his face.
1: Yeah. And she goes over and is like dancing with um, with Graham as he's playing mm-hmm. his guitar solo. And it's just um, so I don't know. She just looked like they, they're they like to me. This is a real person that we're watching footage mm-hmm. of. You know? It's it so
0: impressive yes. that these actors who didn't have any previous experience in music mm-hmm. um, were able to pick up, you know, Daisy and Sam, um, the other art, or the other members of the band we know had some background in music. Um, but again, they they not only, you know, learned these skills of playing instruments and singing when they hadn't done this before, but then they learned how to, like, make it look real on stage. Yeah. You know,
1: well, and especially considering two of them are, you know, two of them are British actors.
0: Yeah, that was the other thing. Josh Whitehouse, who plays Eddie. And Sam Claflin, who plays Billy, we know, um, they never they never had moments I did not recognize, and I'm usually really good at this um, recognize those moments where their British accent slipped in. Yeah, they kept a very strong, consistent American accent, which I thought was really, really good because I've watched other movies. I mean, even if you go and you you know, Sons of Anarchy. And Charlie Hunton there's moments in that where his British accent slipped into that show, even though he did that show for several seasons. Yeah. You know, there's other actors where you've seen hints of their their accents bust, through, you know, kind of breakthrough on certain words. But I never I never heard that with Sam or Josh through any of these episodes. No. So super again, just more and more talent that I don't think enough people are paying attention to the show. <laughs> um but anyway, so, so yeah. So then we are
1: back earlier in the day. It's 2.44 p.m. And Daisy is drinking, in her suite, drinking straight from the, bo- from the bottle, champagne. And then she goes and looks in the mirror for a second. Then she comes back to go get some more drugs. And, and she's fumbling through her purse. And then she sees the letter from her mom. And she decides to open it. Um, and it's photos of her as a child, and it's a photo of her with her mom in a red outfit, and they're matching. And then her kind of looking sad, kind of sitting with her hand under her chin on the piano, and then um, smiling in um, a school pic. And so she decides she's going to call her mom. So she does a line of coke, dials her mom, and then
0: uses you know, the photos to cut the line.
1: Yeah, uses the <laughs> photos, and then she's like. You know, her mom's like, is that really you? And she's like, yeah. And then they have this conversation. She says something about, oh, Malibu Mondays, I'm surprised you were able to, you know, find outfits that matched. And her mom was like, oh, and they had to be red for our hair. And um, Daisy, you know, Daisy's like, why'd you call? And her, her mom says, I wanted to hear your voice. Or she's like, why'd you send me these pictures? And Daisy, Daisy's mom says, I wanted to hear your voice. I missed you. But then she says, You're making up all these stories telling everyone you're an orphan. You're not an orphan, you, se- you're se- you selfish little shit. I'm your mother. How about a little credit for once? And then Daisy says, You know, Mom, sometimes I think there are a million strangers out there who loved me more than you ever did. Daisy's mom says, Well, maybe, but they don't really know you, do they? And then Daisy says, "Next time you want to hear my voice, try the fucking radio." And then we go to the where and then we cut back to the concert. So I mean, wow, can you imagine your mom talking to you like that? Like from first part, the whole part of the pictures and the matching outfits, and it's like, I read that as, for her, for Daisy's mom, motherhood is performative.
0: Daisy was an accessory.
1: Yes, this is a thing that I, and I mean, I've had friends who I feel like they have had that kind of relationship with their parent.
0: This is an accessory. This makes me look like society wants me to look so this is simply an accessory that i carry around with me just like i carry around a handbag or put on a bracelet or a necklace my child is my accessory because it makes me look Mm -hmm. like society expects me to look
1: and then to say well maybe but they don't really know you so basically she's saying if they really knew you like i do they wouldn't they wouldn't love you
0: they wouldn't love you they wouldn't like you they wouldn't consider you a friend yeah
1: basically and I think this is an interesting choice because in the book her her relationship with her parents is cold like she you know Nikki meets they you know she introduces them to Nikki like and the father is present in some way um this is very different and I think it actually really works really well to make sense of the pain a lot of the pain that Daisy feels I think um I mean, I do think sometimes we want to ratchet up for addicts to, so we can understand why they're addicted, um, that they've had all this pain. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, and I don't know, but I feel like this really works. And I just, I can't imagine somebody, I can't imagine ever talking to a child like that.
0: No. But there are people that do talk to other kids like that.
1: Yeah. So then we go back to the concert. And Billy is—he's singing all up on Daisy, like he is all up on her, like, like they're they're just sing fucking right now, and, um, you know Daisy is, um, smiling, um, they're they're touching faces, like it's so close he could kiss her, and then the song is "Let Me Down Easy," which we know the lyrics to that, but I would say, um, you know one thing is just like while you're leaving, if you're gonna leave me, if you're gonna let me down, let me down easy, if you're gonna let me down, so it's.
0: Her face, I was confused by it because in some minute, in some moments she looked really like excited and like she was into it. And then other moment, moments there was like this questioning or like this almost like shock, like you're making me uncomfortable.
1: Well, I think as we move forward into the episode, we're going to know why she right. has this conflicted look on her face.
0: Yeah, she looks super uncomfortable with the closeness in some spots.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, I think.
0: So we cut to remember sound check was at four o'clock. Rod reminded everybody sound check was at four o'clock, and we know that it is three thirty. And Graham and Karen are at in the stands at Soldier Field. And again, this light and dark. Karen's in dark. Graham is in lighter colors, and they're sitting in the stadium in the stands at Soldier Field, um, while getting ready to, you know, the techs are still setting stuff up. And Karen comes up to him, and again you can see the pain in her face, and I, I question, you know, okay, so we flew into Chicago that morning. Sound check is at at you know four o'clock, and we have had an abortion the day before.
1: No, we've had abortion that morning.
0: Do you think it was that morning before they yes. flew? Yes,
1: yes, because oh yeah, because, because the reason Camila was out. The okay. reason Camila was out and wasn't in the kitchen with and Billy and Daisy the was because
0: she was, was with Karen. Karen.
1: Like, yeah, you're is right. Some, so, this is so
0: some crazy shit here. So we're, you know, we're at, you know, most likely eight or nine in the morning having this procedure done. And now it is 3.30 in the afternoon and we are up walking around and doing our thing. And sometimes, yes, we have to bucket up and do things. I cannot speak from personal experience on this. I just know people that have gone through this before and I don't think it's realistic to think that somebody's going to be up at 3 3:30 3 in the afternoon walking around. But again, if you got a job to do, I mean, women do it. You're right. We there's a lot of times where we just have to buck it up and and get shit done because we don't have any other options. But yes, I um, felt like
1: it was a little unrealistic because just from what I know of people who've gone through that procedure, it's mm-hmm. it's not just boom. Yeah.
0: But Karen, Karen walks up, Graham's sitting down already. Karen walks up and she she says, and Karen says, I tried to tell you and you didn't want to hear. He, she tried to tell him that this is not what she wanted. Mm -hmm. And Graham was just like, I could have, I could have come with you. I could have held your hand. And and Karen says, do you think that that would have helped with that look on your face? You think that that would have made things easier Graham says, relationships aren't supposed to be easy. They're supposed to be honest. And Karen decides to walk away. And Graham says, and this line, I think this was, this was the final nail in the coffin. And Graham says, you're going to be alone. You know that, right? Yeah. He is hurt. I get it. He is hurt. And he is lashing out with whatever he can to make her hurt as bad as he is hurting. But he thinks he thinks that she's not hurting as bad as he is, but she is. But he is trying to make her hurt just as bad as him when she says that line. You're going to be alone forever. You know that, right? I mean, that is like that is again the final nail. I mean, I don't think you could have said anything. I don't know for me personally you could have said anything more painful to her or more pain I I don't know that you could have said anything worse
1: yeah I don't I mean I thought it was I thought this actually showed more of the Graham that's in the book who mm-hmm. really does not handle it well right so
0: yeah but god dang that line was just like that's mean it was but very it's also mean. kind
1: of mm, this idea of if you're a woman and you want to have a career, then you don't get to have love,
0: or mm-hmm. you're not as good as other women, or worthy mm-hmm. in the, as yeah. other women, because you are choosing to not have children. Yeah, which is
1: or also in a way, bullshit. I feel like Karen also is like, I don't want the kind of life that you want, Graham. Not beyond just children. I don't want that kind of life. Right. I want to be a rock star.
0: Yeah. So we get back to the clo- to the concert, and there's a close-up of Karen, and she's giving Graham this look. And again, now we see this, and we're like, okay, these looks. You know, he has, he has delivered this line to her. To me, I just, I don't know that I could stand in the same room with him. But she's doing her job. She's got stuff to do. Um, but we see them giving each other this look. And then Billy and Daisy are continuing to, you know, go through this, um, and now they're playing more fun to miss. And right. so they've they've changed up songs, but they're playing more fun to miss. Um and again, he is just like flirting and on, on her so hard and she just looks super uncomfortable at points of this like she's questioning like if this is authentic like what's going on with him she doesn't know what's going on with him none of us know what's going on with him yet but she's like I don't you know you can tell she's like I don't know if if this is legitimate if he you know what's going on he's making me uncomfortable by being this close he's being so open with his flirting in front of 50,000 people and it's just making her like she's having a moment where she's like okay this is this is this is not good.
1: But and then I think so. You know we've had this big blow up between Graham and Karen. And then the lyrics are for more the, that we hear of um, more fun to miss is last time I hit a lick was when I heard the church bells chiming. You'd be just as fun as a jammed up gun. Another shot. It's just the wrong place and time. More fun to miss than to be with wow I mean so I feel like we we're we you know what this song was about Daisy now it's like it could very well be Graham singing this song because mm-hmm. he you know the one he's saying but it's also you know so then we go back to um oh wait well I'll say one other thing on that Um, I thought Daisy looks a little like I think she's conflicted because she doesn't understand what we. She doesn't quite understand what's going on, or right? Know, she doesn't. She she doesn't know how to respond, but also like, she is incredibly attracted to this person. So every time he comes up on her, every time he touches her,
0: it gives her I'm, hope.
1: Sh- it sends this, for sure, just thrill of electricity through her of like, oh wow, you know. I mean, he he, you know. As we move forward, we'll see all the things that have happened before this. So, we'll keep moving forward. So it's four thirteen p.m. now. So he has sound check. Was yet. at four?
0: <laughs> he's in like a
1: hotel bar, and there's like an old timey even. That, it's even an old timey phone booth for the seventies. Like it's a wooden one. You know, like I'm sure they're like, Oh, let's put this cool retro phone booth in our bar. And then um, he's trying to call Camila. And he, leave, you know, he's like, he, first he's trying to find her and asking people, have they talked to her or do they know where she is? And then finally he just leaves a message, like on the, they have like a message service at the, you know, it's, it's recorded. And he says, if there's, if there's any part of you that loves me, I let's, I want to make it right. Please come to the show tonight. I love you. And I need my girls.
0: If there any, then, is there any part of you that you want to make this work. Yeah. Oh. And
1: and then um, there's some dudes knocking on the thing and being... He's like, I just got in here! And he's very loud. And then he calls Teddy. And Teddy's in a session, but he comes out to see... Talk to Billy. And this is just so... Sad. hmm Because Billy wants to say some things, but it's also like, I don't want to disappoint Dad. And... You know Teddy you know you know it's kind of and Billy, Billy's like oh I just wanted to see if you're taking your medicine and stuff and Teddy's like is that really why you called me and and then Billy was like oh yeah and he's like oh, I love you Teddy and then he they let you know they hang up and then the dude who's knocking on the phone booth booth knocks again you know and and then Billy comes out and he realized it's, oh, it's the famous Billy Dunn. And he's like, oh, man, I'm sorry. Let me buy you a drink. And so he asked for two, I think, whiskeys.
0: Yep. Jack. And Jack.
1: Um, and he, and Billy takes it. And the bartender kind of even looks at Billy.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, And I'm like, would, would they know? Cause well, we because Billy know.
0: has tears coming down oh, his yeah, face yeah. And he as at he's at coming Bill. out.
1: And Billy's like, uh. So he looks at him, Billy looks bereft, and Billy takes that drink and just knocks it back. And then we're at... Um... As this is declining, he's declining, we're back, and Daisy is in her room, and she's... I mean, it's its not... It's reminiscent of whenever the night she OD'd with Nikki, mm-hmm. and she's yeah. blast... You know, there, it, there's punk rock music blasting, it's the band Saints, and the song is the perfect day, and the line is, ain't nothing has changed at all. <laughs> and so she's just knocking back, drinking straight from the bottle, nothing looks... I don't know, there's just something about drinking champagne straight from a bottle that, I don't know, it just looks so rock and roll. And then, um, the rent phone is ringing, and she's not paying attention, she finally picks it up, and it's Rod's assistant saying, where the fuck are you? She hangs it up, and then we go, and then she goes and looks at the mirror again. And then, um, she puts a bunch of um stuff on her eyes and i've got questions rachel like what's happening here but yeah. the, the whole time she's doing it the phone is still ringing so what is it that she lights with that candle what is so it's, going
0: it's on? an eyeliner pencil you know because okay. back in the day back in the day you did and i don't you you honestly you would have to heat up and i i did it in high school I you would heat up this. some of those Some of those old time and I can't even remember what brand it was, but it was a red eyeliner pencil and it would not just come onto your eyes like a pencil does now. You would heat it up and soften it and then it would go on a lot, a lot heavier, I guess. It it would probably go on just painting it normal. But if you wanted that heavy, like if you wanted to do your water, you know how we used to do the inside of our water line and stuff like that, Um, you would have to heat it up with a cigarette lighter. Uh, I, I can vividly remember having a disposable Bic lighter and my parents saying nothing about the fact that I had a disposable Bic lighter, but I okay. warmed that thing up and I'd, I'd line my, and what she did was she like, didn't really try to line. Like she just kind of put it on and then rubbed it to make it like her eyeshadow Yeah, and then just kind of, you know, um, added her glitter and stuff on top of that. But yeah, it was just an eyeliner pencil, but I I want to go back to the conversation between Billy and Teddy, because that yeah. was heartbreaking to hear him, yes. Um, he was so. It, it just almost—it sounded like a conversation that somebody might have with somebody before they take their own life. Oh yeah, because I mean, I it was like oh, it was. you mean, know he was just his voice was breaking the whole time, and he's like, you know, I just, I, just, I just wanted to make sure you were taking all your medicine. Yeah, and and, and Teddy's like, you know, is that. Like you said, is that really what you were calling about? And and again, you hear his voice so broken. And it's almost like he's saying goodbye to to Teddy. He's like, I love you, Teddy. And that was just really, really hard to listen to him. Because nothing's even happened yet other than the arguments with Camilla and Camilla figuring him out. And him probably trying to figure out himself and figure out does he really love Daisy or not. Um, But man, just his voice in that, it was just so hard. And I did catch the look. Because he does come out of that phone booth. And there are tears. You know his hair's kind of hanging over his face. So not everybody might have seen it. But he had tears coming down his face. And that bartender looked at him. With a moment of pause and concern. Like should I really be giving this guy. A drink. And this scene. There's a scene in the book. Where Billy is at a bar. And a fan. Offers to buy him a drink. And it's as equally as powerful of a scene in the book as it is in the interpretation that they put into the show. Yeah. So, all right. So we have, you know, again, Daisy's late, Billy's late. Nobody's at fucking soundcheck. Um, um, but so we get to the stage where at, we're at soundcheck and Rod is like, does anyone have a guess as to where in the hell everybody might be? Anyone, anyone know? And Warren is kind of sitting there in front of his drums and he's like you know it's it's not like Billy to miss a sound check and he's looking at at over at Eddie and he's like nice shiner um and Warren says uh says Eddie or Warren says to Eddie he's like what did you say to him and Eddie says I'm gonna say some stuff or he says to he's like it Warren's like what did you say to him And he just kind of stands there and Warren says, I'm going to say some stuff to you and promise me you're not going to hate me. And Eddie's just kind of there and waiting. And he was like, Warren says, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yes, Billy is an asshole. So what if you're not the guy? I mean, you're in the biggest band in the fucking world right now. You get to fly around in private jets. You sleep on $100 bills. We get to play songs that millions of people listen to and love. And that's not enough for you. We are the luckiest motherfuckers in the world. And Eddie looks at him and says, well, maybe I'm looking for more out of life. And, And Warren just is like, just starts to walk up and he says, yeah, you know what? Keep looking, keep looking. And he's like, and he's like, well, what are you going to do? Well, maybe I'm going to go smoke a joint. Or he's like, maybe I'll call my girlfriend the movie star. But he just walks up from him. He's just like, you know, Warren's willing to put up with the bullshit because Warren just wants to play rock and roll.
1: Yes. And also, like, yes, you guys, it's also to show you there, you know, there's the whole study of however, there's a certain diminishing returns on money and wealth. That at a certain point, the people are not any happier than people who are making a certain amount. You know, it's like, and I think this is the perfect example of that because, like, these people have everything and they're still incredibly unhappy. They mm-hmm. have met the thing they dreamed, they have the thing that they dreamed and wanted. They wanted to be rock stars. They are rock stars. And Warren is the one guy who kind of gets it, you know, and I feel like he's. Uh, he's just so to me. He's he gives Ringo vibes because Ringo was kind of the mascot of the, of the Beatles in a lot of ways. They all everybody got along with Ringo, and I feel like that's Warren. Warren gets along with everybody. He makes it work, mm-hmm. and he's the most. I think he's the well, most adjusted person out of it. And it's so funny because when you start off with your journey with Warren, you're like, oh my god, he's such a misogynist. He's so sexist, and 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 you see this growth of a of a boy to a man right you know
0: he recognizes what they've got in front of them he recognizes the fact that they're the luckiest motherfuckers in the world they are and you know eddie and everybody else just wants to find shit to they want to find ways to not be happy yes and warren they want to find things that will make them unhappy they want to look for the things that make them unhappy and warren is not that kind of guy warren warren is looking at all the things that he has and and focusing on those and not looking for the negative not looking for the bad stuff or not anticipating the bad stuff he's just riding the ride man he's playing rock and roll and he's fucking loving his life so we cut back to the hotel and camila is hearing billy's message and that desperate of you know if you really want to make this if you really have any desire to make this work please come to the show tonight i i love you i need my girls um, so Camilla is hearing that message and the con and we cut back to the concert and this is when, um, Daisy introduces Simone to come out and, um, Billy kind of steps off stage as day as Simone is coming on and Rod pulls, um, Billy aside and is like, serious question, dude, you know, are you, are you okay tonight, Billy? And Billy looks at him or Billy doesn't even look at him. He's staring out of the stage and he just kind of leans into him and he's like, I've never been okay. So then we cut to, they start doing the river and, um, you know, Simone and Daisy are singing together. And I think at that moment, like it starts the song, the start, the song starts and it's Daisy and Billy singing. Mm -hmm. And then Simone comes in and it's almost like Daisy just kind of forgets about Billy. And it's just about these two women having the time of their lives singing rock and roll on a stage in front of 50,000 people Um, but it turns into something more of a connection between the two of them than it does as we go through these lyrics again and you've you've done crystal did the work to pull these lyrics in of where we are in the show where we are in the scene and you know what lines are coming out through the song and it's very much um, you know if I follow you to the river, send my blues out to the sea, will you stay with me forever? Will you chase me in my dreams? If I throw it all in the river and I let the rhythm take the lead, will I? Will it stay with you forever that you lean on me? And we have these two women in connection in music at this point. And right. Billy's like off to the side. He's not a focal point at this at this moment for either for for Daisy at that moment right so he's it not kinda, the vocal. It,
1: it's really really well done because like the first part where Daisy and Billy are singing it's like him singing. I could have sworn this was the way you know and you know tell me again why do we stay so this uh, on such a lonely 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 road so this is like Billy talking about like uh you know I'm doing the things I'm supposed to do why do I keep doing it because I'm just you know miserable and then it switches to the parts. And then when Simone starts singing, it becomes more about Daisy and Simone. It's just mm-hmm. really cool. Good like point. You can read, it's, you can interpret the music many ways. Yeah.
0: That's a good so, point. I'm glad you brought that back. Because, yeah, you, you do see this, you know, and I mentioned the connection between the two of them at the beginning. But then yeah, once then she and she Simone goes, start singing, she's off and that's, that's her focus at that point is that relationship.
1: So then we go back to... And it is 8.33 p.m. Can you imagine? And Rod is just looking so tense. And um, Billy comes up to him like gives him a hug. and is like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm late. And he's like, um, she's not here, is she? Camilla? And Rod's like, no, she's not here. And Billy looks so crushed. And he goes into the bathroom. And then he looks in the mirror. And then he pulls out a flask and takes a big old drink. So at four fifteen, four thirty, he was taking his first drink, and now by eight thirty, he has. A had flask. time to buy a flask and <laughs> fill it. Yes, I'm like, okay, all right, <laughs> let's get down. Poor. And um, and then Daisy walks backstage while Billy's in the bathroom. Daisy walks in, and Simone and Warren are talking because Warren, you know, Warren gets along with everybody. And she rolls over to Simone, and, um, and she, she she obviously is high. The way she walks over and then gives Simone this big forehead kiss. And, um, you know, and she, like, all of these things Simone notices. And, um, you know, she notices the he- makeup and everything. And Daisy, and then Rod is there, and <laughs> Daisy goes, You look scared, Rod and he and she goes and you should be and he's like okay and then um daisy turns around and she's like um takes a swig of champagne and she turns around and then there's billy is looking at her and she says what you don't like my eye makeup and then he just grabs her and kisses her and daisy pulls back and stops him and she's like you're drinking again and he just like gives her this flirty look as he walked off and it is so flirty.
0: it is it is a um, it is a panty malter. And at least for me.
1: <laughs> I mean, I just I just feel for her so much because it's like this is what she's wanted. this guy that she loves has kissed her, but, but he's not drunk.
0: authentic because he's drunk.:
1: Exactly. But and he's kissed her.
0: Yeah, and you can't, in your right mind. I mean, he's drunk. And I know her. she's high and I know she's drunk, but if she's tasting the liquor on his breath, she knows he's not himself.
1: Right. But and it's yet still, he's still
0: coming after her.
1: But also she knows that, but you have wanted this person.
0: But are you willing to take it? Am I willing to take, because I've always wanted this person, I feel this connection with this person. Am I willing to take the drunk version of him and then we can get fixed later? But can I have him now as the drunk version? And we'll figure the, all the rest of it out.
1: I, I don't know. But I just, I, I know, no matter, I just feel like there are moments in relation, there are people that you want, and even though you know they're not good for you, or that it's not right, any touch, any interaction with them, sends oh. a thrill through you that you can't Most stop.
0: definitely. Most definitely. And I think you and I, I mean, I think any woman that's ever been in relationships has had, no matter how happily married they are now and, you know, where they are in their points in their lives, there is someone in their past that they were willing at a younger age, at a younger age, were willing to put up with the toxic version of that person because they did do that for you. There was that electricity. There was that connection. And your, you know, 19, 25-year-old 20, self was willing to negotiate and bargain with yourself that I'll take them at this point just because I've always wanted them mm-hmm. and I'll figure out the rest of it later.
1: I mean, I just also, this is all time compressed and she's high. Like, what is she supposed to do with all of these thoughts?
0: Yeah. Did you notice as she's coming in, as she's coming in, there's a sign on the door that says... Patience, please. A drug-free America comes first. I wonder what that was about. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, I just thought that that was That's crazy. Funny. It made me laugh. But yeah, it's, um, and Simone, like you said, Simone notices her. Like, she's like, whoa, whoa. whoa. Okay. Yeah. okay. Okay. With the eye makeup, Says <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> This is where we're going tonight. Okay. Yeah. That's where she went. So we cut back. We're back at the concert, Um, and you know we've talked about in past episodes how it's gotten compressed and things are happening really quickly. This episode it works really well that way. Yeah, I think think going back and forth. Yeah, but for this, for some reason, this episode it really, really works. And I think, it's cr- I think it's critical to the telling of the story to be jumping back and forth and back no, and forth.
1: I think it's so much more powerful because... Way, way
0: more powerful.
1: Because um, because it's actually like kind of almost playing with the very idea of the show in the sense that the show, we know it's a flashback.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So now it's like the flashbacks are just closer and closer together. Yeah, the
0: flashbacks within the flashbacks, you know? Yes. And so I do think... The the episode would not have been as powerful if they had started that morning and just ran through the no. dry, day straight forward to that evening. No. It's so much more by going back and forth and back and forth. Um, and like you said, compressing it down even tighter and tighter until we get to real time, as yeah. in 1977. But we go back onto the, con- to the concert, and Billy's at the point – we're probably winding the show down. Mm-hmm. Billy's making intros. He's introducing – you know, Grant. He's introducing Karen, and he's introducing Graham and Warren, and you know, saying you know, saying all kinds of things about him before he introduces him. Um, and he gets to Eddie, and he's just like on base. It's Eddie Roundtree, and that's it. And then he goes, you know what? Let's try that again. And he goes through this whole you know, ace on the base, whatever he says, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, And he's like, Eddie, Demetrius, Roundtree. And the crowd goes wild. And he walks back over there like he's going to hug him. And um, Eddie says, I love you, brother. And Billy gets in really close and says, go fuck yourself. You done. Um, And then we get to this point where he steps back to the front of the stage. And he introduces Daisy. And it's not an elaborate you know, like he's done all the other band members. Just, he said, Daisy Jones. And then she, in turn, says, ladies and gentlemen, Billy Dunn. And then, you know, that's that's pretty much it on the band intros. But um, we cut to the crowd and we see Camilla coming down into the stadium, you know, into the, the bleachers and to have it to stand and, and watch the band. And they cut and they begin playing Aurora. And she's got tears in her eyes, and we're seeing flashbacks of Daisy or of, of Camilla and Billy from their younger years. And we've got the lyrics You found me in the flames, the daylight of the change. Baby, all that stuff is done. You're my morning sun. Aurora, you're the one, you're my morning sun. And they go back and they show these really great clips of just kind of a retrospective of, and I don't know if it's Camilla's perspective of looking at him and hearing these words and thinking about their past, but we almost see like their past and then when things started falling apart. Like the montage of clips takes us to a point where we're at currently where we do see the progression of things falling apart in this montage from Camilla's perspective. So the montage finishes and we see Billy walking over to Daisy and they're kind of sharing a mic. Um, But again, this montage, it just kind of, it goes back from the very beginning and it's like, it's super powerful because again, we see like everything from the beginning of the meeting to, you know, Filthy McNasty's and um, you know, we see Camilla using her camera and we, we see her crying when they cut to, to current concert footage of her. But Aurora, I'm here. I won't disappear again. How soon can you come? And again, we see the excitement of how it all started out and how they were young and and, and just so hopeful about this rock and roll life. And we get all the way to like where we are now at this point. And so... You know, she again is looking at the stage and she's seeing how close they are. And they're, it's just, I mean, I wouldn't be able to sit there and take it. So she just, she's crying. I think she wipes her eyes at one point and she just walks out. She just leaves. Um,
1: So first part in the band intros, why does Eddie say he loves... He says, I love you, brother. And I had to go back and rewind that again and be like, did he really say that?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I don't know. Maybe I was thinking about it. And I was like, do you think Eddie kind of, some, he took Warren's words to heart? And maybe he is sorry for what happened? Like, maybe he would apologize to Eddie? I don't think I mean, so. To Billy? Then why did he say, I love you?
0: Because he was caught up in the moment. You know? They're playing to 50,000 people. There's energy. They've had a great show. I think he just caught up in the moment. I don't think he was changing his mind on anything. Um, but Billy's response to him definitely sealed the deal that if yeah. he was considering yeah. saying, oh, dude, you know what? I've thought it over and I just want to keep doing it. Billy was done. Yeah. Billy told him to fuck off. Well, especially, especially, again, we go back to that exchange that they were having because eddie all but you know he didn't admit it and somehow miraculously billy understood Mm -hmm. what he was saying that he had fucked his he had fucked his wife so he's definitely um not going to be welcomed back into the band whether he changes his mind or not because you fucked my wife so but i would also
1: say camila fucked him so it's not true 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 i mean there's two people and camila made that camila made that choice even more than eddie right camila decided to do that um yeah, I mean, like the, the part when they start singing Aurora and you see all of those scenes, I mean, I think it's beautifully done. And it's definitely all of these shots are kind of Camila's perspective of mm-hmm. what's happened. And or they're how,
0: focusing on her.
1: Yes, and how she
0: was a part of this.
1: Yes. And she was a crucial
0: it. part of this journey
1: and and this song is about her it's the song he wrote after he got out of rehab and it's all about i things are good i'm gonna be good and i'm here and i'm not gonna let you down again i'm not i won't disappear again he says yeah so so then they finish that song that's like their you know their closer before they do the encores and the whole band bows And um, they go off stage. And somehow as they go off stage, then Billy and Daisy are off in somewhere. And there's like a beautiful, like kind of blue light behind them. And they are making out hard. They're making out. And she, I think she's kind of like, she's like kind of stops him and like, what is this? And Billy says, she left me or she's leaving me. And then he goes to grab to do whatever and do like a bump of Coke. And, and Daisy kind of stops him and then that happens real quick and then we cut to Graham, and he's talking to karen and he's like i love you okay if you want to live out of a suitcase sleeping on tour buses for the next 20 years then great so do i kids no kids i don't care i love you just say you feel the same and we'll be fine and karen looks at him and she says i'm sorry Graham."
0: yeah she shakes her head and she because she knows she she thinks she knows that she can't say it and she just says i'm sorry
1: well and i would just say they want different things this is going to be a conflict for them the rest of their life Mm -hmm. because what just because he loves karen that is not going to be enough for him because he wants these other things right and i feel like it's still the idea that he likes this uh image of karen not actual karen
0: right yeah so then so we've just had billy and daisy backstage making out hard and heavy um, and her kind of pushing him off and then we see graham and karen and so you know like you mentioned billy billy is like snorting coke he's like she's talking to him and he's like keeps tapping it on his head and she's like what's going on and and then he just like takes the snort and he's like she and daisy says this isn't who you are he's she's like this this isn't you and Billy says, Yes, it is. We don't have to fight it anymore. You and me were broken. So let's just be broken together. And Daisy says, She just she's looking him in the face and like he is just so fucked up and like just high and just like but could you imagine, you know, she's leaving me and She's yes. left me. And, you know, I don't want to fight this anymore. You're broken. I'm broken. We'll just we'll just be broken together.
1: And he's begging her. He's like, going, let's be broken together. He keeps saying it. And he's like, just be with me.
0: And Daisy looks at him and says, stop. And she says, I don't want to be broken.
1: And her voice cracks. <gasps> oh, my God. And she's just...
0: This and she walks, a, she, walks away she, no, she, she walks away from him.
1: No, she walks away. She pushes him kind of, not hard, mm-hmm. but says, stop. I don't want to be broken. And
0: okay. she walks away. And the look on his face when she walks away. Yes. He just has this realization that he has just burnt down everything. Yes. He has destroyed it all. He has destroyed his marriage. He has destroyed his band. He has... You know, this backup. And it feels like that kind of line about, you know, it's over with. You're broken. I'm broken. Let's be broken together. It's almost like Daisy's his consolation prize. No,
1: it's some shit. Like, look, it is some shitty.
0: Daisy's his consolation prize. Like, I couldn't make it work with my wife, but I got you as my backup. But again, he's destroyed all of that. He's destroyed his marriage. He's destroyed his band. And now Daisy doesn't want to be his broken So he's destroyed all of it. I mean, he has just literally, in a matter of a day, has destroyed everything in his life. Everything in his life.
1: The person she fell in love with is not an addict. If she had met Billy whenever he was whoring and on tour and doing all those drugs, she wouldn't have been interested in him. He would have been just like all these other men that she's been around
0: fell in love with with a sober version of Billy.
1: A sober, a I would say the point of the the, the person trying to be sober uh, that right. Billy was, and just to to be like I she left me not I chose to leave her because you know what I can't fight it I love you baby no. I mean it's it really hurts. It hurts.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we see Daisy go back on stage and they're all walking back on stage. And again, we think, okay, let's think about what has just transpired in the last five minutes. We've had, you know, Eddie get told, fuck off. You're done. We've had Graham and Karen just come to the realization that this is, there's no way to fix this. And then we've had, you know, coked out, drunk Billy, you know, make this statement to, you know, Daisy and, her making a very strong stance of I don't I don't want to be that broken anymore so we're all walking back on stage they're all just like dejected and exhausted they've been on tour but they get out there and the fans are sh- chanting look at us now look at us now look at us now and so Daisy gets up on the mic and she says how many are how many here are in love tonight and they're like we and she says I've been in love and it hurts doesn't it but it doesn't have to love doesn't have to be bombs and tears and blood love can be peace and it can be beautiful and if you're lucky enough to find somebody who lifts you up even when you don't deserve it that is where the light is so my wish for you is to find someone who helps you see the light this is a love song and up in, we know how that recording started and those original words started and the conflict that she and Billy had in recording that song. And now Daisy is seeing it for what he initially intended it to be, which was a love song. And they start playing it. And it, the, you know, the intro builds up to where Billy is supposed to start singing. I don't know who I am and he can't, he can't get the words out. He, he can't, he can't get the words out. So the crowd picks up and they start singing and they're singing. And then Daisy comes into her part. Did we unravel a long time ago? Is it too much? Is there too much? We don't want to know. I wish it was easy, but it isn't so. And Daisy looks up at Billy And tells him to go ahead and go. Tears streaming down his face. And she lets him go. And Billy walks off the stage.
1: One of my favorite little moments in that sequence is the guitar tech that he hands his guitar to. And he's like, what the hell am I supposed to do with this?
0: (laughs) Why am I getting this? (laughs) Why am I getting this? Yeah. But it's just... To me, this is this is a point where Daisy has finally come full circle and realizes that she cannot do this anymore. Like she cannot live this life of drugs and alcohol. She cannot live this life of heartbreak and this extremely unhealthy relationship with Billy. She can't do these things anymore. And so for her, she can give him permission to go back to Camilla. Like. And I don't know if permission's the right word, but she's giving him permission to walk away, and she's going to be okay with him walking away.
1: Well, because basically what she's saying here is about, when she says love can be peace, it can be beautiful, it doesn't have to be bombs, tears, and bloods, that's the love that Daisy and Billy have. The love that Billy has with Camilla is peace, is it's quieter.
0: Yeah. And there's a really great line. There's a really great monologue in the book um, because again, the how this all breaks down is very, very different in the book than what it comes up in the show. But there is this this exchange that Camilla delivers this monologue of, you know, I don't want perfect, I just want mine. And this kind of sounds very similar to that. But again, I think she's giving him permission to go back because he she knows that that's the better place for him to be because again she doesn't want to admit it and she doesn't want to be that broken person for him but they are broken they are broken people and so they can't be two broken people together she's got to go get her shit together and he can go back to camilla and camilla can help him get his shit together
1: yeah i mean it's you know that you know i kind of want her want them to be together i mean i do but so then we cut to camilla and she's hurriedly packing to leave because she's seen him at the show you know she's done and we see billy get and he's in the car um in taking cab, going yeah. back to the hotel and as this is happening the, the you know the song is going on And so then we cut to the band, and Daisy is singing. And she's singing to the band. I love this part. And then they're singing, oh, how did we get here? How do we get out? We used to be something to see. Oh, baby, look at us now. So you just, I don't know, it's so powerful because this this is part where it's really building. And then we see Billy, he gets to the hotel just in time as Camila is holding Julia and the nannies with her because they're going to leave. So the song ends as... um, the, he's doing this and the, the lyrics are, this thing we've been doing ain't working out. Why can't you just admit it to me? Oh, baby, look at us now. And then, so that's as he sees them at the hotel. And then we go back to the concert and the band bows without Billy. And the lines are, oh, we could make a good thing bad. And that's the line he really hates because that's a Daisy line.
0: Mm-hmm it's almost like she's singing her her goodbyes she's she's saying her goodbyes to the band
1: well and also like this could be like we could read these lyrics this could be the band this could be graham and karen this is how did we get here how did we get out we used to be something to see this is the band in a way we Mm -hmm. used to you know a few months ago we were something to see and now we're the whole thing is falling apart
0: yeah for everybody. Oh, we could
1: make a good thing bad. We had a, we made a good thing bad. They We made a good thing
0: did. bad. We fucked up something really good. All of yes. these people individually, except, yes. for, Warren, except yeah. for Warren, except for all Warren, all of these people individually and in pairs took what was, you know, what was in anybody else's perspective success and the ultimate goal and they fucked it all up. But that's what happens when you get humans in situations. I mean, you know, things can things can seem really perfect on paper. But then when you introduce humans, um, it's going to get fucked up, you know. Um, So they finish. They take a bow and they all start walking off stage. And Rod just see and like everybody's just walking off and nobody's saying anything. And Rod's just like, what the hell is going on? And Daisy stops and whispers something to him. And let's talk about that in a minute whispers something to him and kind of pats his shoulder and we see um then it cuts back to the hotel with Billy and Camilla and they've stepped out onto the balcony and they're talking um and Julia's asleep in the Julia's asleep in the room and Camilla says how can she love you better than me and P- Billy fucking says to her I can't believe he fucking say this to her She sees, she sees me, she sees me, she sees all of me and I don't let you and I can't let you. And if you knew how many times a day I think about setting our lives on fire. Camilla says, I've loved you since I was 18 years old. You don't think that I don't see that side of you. I never wanted the perfect life. I wanted my life and my husband. so
1: let's go back do we think what do we think Daisy said? so what do we think daisy said i think she says i'm quitting
0: yeah i think, I think she, she says, says something along the lines it. of it's over
1: i can't do this anymore this is over
0: yeah it's over i quit something along those lines
1: and, and, I, and I would say when billy's I, look billy has been putting on an act for Camila, basically especially since he got out of rehab but even before that, I think he he was hiding his darkness from her, even though she saw it. He thinks he yeah, she's he thinks he's hiding it from her, and that is like that's What can, Daisy from that when that one episode, she um, she brings out that out in him. She keeps prodding him and telling him, "Come on, man, there's something here." And he and he tells her how he let Camila down. And what happened and that is huge and he in his songs writes about the conflict he feels but he's never talks about it with Camila I don't know how to say it but I do I'm gonna cut but I do feel like in real life there are a lot of people who put on acts for their spouses and act like that they are more okay than they are Oh, sure. not saying it's a good relationship, but they put on an act.
0: Right. Because if they know the real me, they're not going to love me anymore.
1: Exactly. And that's where Billy
0: is. Because I can recognize that I don't love the real me. So how in the hell is anybody else going to love the real me? Even my spouse.
1: Well, and Camila does. The thing about Camila is even in the show, even though I feel like they show her. Um, as a little bit more flawed in the show than in the book she still is like she seems so perfect probably to Billy like here's this woman who still loves me after all of these things I've done how can I possibly tell her that every day I want to take a drink how how can I possibly tell her how tempted I am to take a drink or do drugs or all of those things right
0: right So, Julia comes, so again, Billy and and Camilla are out on the balcony, and they're having this conversation, and Julia comes out, okay? And we can guess Julia's probably five-ish or so years old, maybe four or five?
1: I think she's got to be three or four, because let's say if he got out of rehab...
0: He got out of rehab in 74, so she would have been born... Seventy three or seventy four, yeah, and so this is seventy seven.
1: So she's like three or four.
0: Yeah. So
1: I, she, I can believe it. I believe I remember things. When I was three. So
0: she walks out on the balcony, and we hear the interviewer say, "I remember that night. She was in the purple dress." And then they cut back to nineteen ninety seven. And now we see Julia behind the camera. And she says to Billy, you are both crying. I've I've never seen you cry before. In 1997, Billy says, you were so little. How do you even remember? And Julia says, I remember a lot more than you think, Dad. Whoa! So let's discuss this for a moment because... You know, some people may have not read the book yeah. or listened to the audio before they watch the show, and this is still a pretty dun dun dun. It's moment. so
1: good. The reveal is so good.
0: But do you do you remember your reaction? Yes. When you heard the audio? Yes. Because I didn't. I I did not see it coming.
1: I I did not either. And I I said to my I remember thinking I remember going. Taylor Jenkins Reed, you are a badass that's what I thought I was like this I remember the good...
0: audible gasp yeah that I had yeah the I... audible gasp that I had when this came out because I and you know maybe I'm just dumb but I did not for the life of me see this come
1: well I would say then there was things when I looked back and I was like because there was things in time sometimes during the interview parts where I was like there's things that you know in the book because it's all you know oral history. There were things that I would be like, "Huh, that's kind of odd that they would say that like that, or why wouldn't they just say that?" But now we know, especially Billy. I would always be like, "Why is Billy being so cagey about certain things? Mm-hmm. You know, why is he why is he saying things the way he's saying them?
0: Talking around, kind like of talking in circles at circling some point,
1: around certain things, and and he know, was trying to
0: protect his daughter.
1: Yes, because or
0: who? Just, what what parent wants to admit to their kids well, that and they just, were at points in their lives ginormous pieces of shit?
1: Well, even like Karen and Graham and Daisy kind of going, well, how much do you really want to know? And do we really need to go into this? And I would be like, well, what? What's the big deal? And especially in the book, because it's like forty years since they yeah talked, and they
0: wanted to protect. But he. They wanted to protect daughter. their relation, the relationships that Julia had with her parents. They yes. wanted to protect those and not ruin you know Julia's image of what her mom and dad were.
1: And it just it changes everything when you think about everything that has been said in those interviews. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to in the interviews we we talked about we've talked about it before, the unreliable narrator. Because Billy is definitely an unreliable narrator in this because we see what really happened, but then him kind of, you know, not really admitting it in the interviews. We see Daisy. Yeah,
0: all of them are unreliable because, again, they're wanting to protect Julia.
1: this,
0: This person that they see as a child, you know, even though she's a grown woman now, but that's still Julia. That's still a child that they've known since birth and they want to protect her. Yeah.
1: And I just want to know, I want to know... Please, people who do comment who are listening to us, I just want to what was it like for you when you first heard it, saw it? I would love to
0: hear everybody's feedback on that. I
1: just, I mean, please just, you know, just email us. We won't judge you. We just want them. We want the emails. I just love talking to people about that part. Yeah. So then you know we cut back to 1977 and Billy is in the hotel and he's got like a sad duffel bag and he's like I'll work for it, I promise. And, and he leaves. And Camilla says nothing. She doesn't really even look at him. And then we cut back to backstage, and Simone comes up to Daisy, and she says, um, Teddy's found a place in Minnesota. Rod's going to take everything. Nobody's going to know. And she's kind of slumped down, because um, Daisy's, like, sitting on the floor, you know, against, like, a wall. And Daisy looks so sad. And Simone's like, you've left family before. You can handle it. And Daisy says, I know, but I really... I just really love this one
0: that one Wow that one yeah I just really loved this one yeah because a lot of times family is n- family is about choice a lot I of mean, a lot of people have a family of choice, yeah. not a family of biology, and this was hers, and now she was gonna have to leave it and that to me is just.
1: Well, but I would say kind of how you felt so sad, that, like, it's kind of the this, this, this conversation we had about um, Karen and Daisy. I would have liked a few more moments where we see her bonding with Karen, with Graham. I mean, we see that, like, you know, the scene when the guys come out and tell Nikki to get away, you know, mm-hmm. those scenes. Yeah. Um, I would have liked just a few more of those where we really felt like Daisy... It wasn't just about Billy. It was about this whole family that she had. Yeah. But but still, it's so sad. You feel so bad for her.
0: I do. So we cut to 1997, Rod. And he's sitting in a cafe or something. And he says, the next morning we were all waiting on the bus. And 1997, Karen with tears in her eyes saying, I remember thinking it, it would be okay, it would be okay. In 1997, Rod says, I'm trying, to tell every, I'm trying to figure out how to tell everybody that Daisy is leaving. And then I see Eddie and we cut to the bus out in front of the hotel in Chicago the next morning and Eddie has a suitcase and he's walking to the bus and Warren catches his eye and they're looking at each other And there's this moment where Warren realizes what's about to happen. And he just kind of sinks back into his chair. And Eddie just looks at the bus one last time and turns and grabs. um, There's a cab waiting for him. And so then we see Graham coming out. And he's got his guitar in his hand. And he looks at the bus. And then they have a shot of the stairs of the bus. And it's like this crackled-looking linoleum or something. I don't know. But there is, a, there is a intentional shot of the steps of the bus going into the bus. And he sets the guitar down. And he walks off. And cutting to 1997 Rod, and he says... The irony is, and I'm not sure, I think this was a voiceover. I don't think they cut back to him per se. I think you're still seeing Warren, if I'm remembering correctly. But Rod says, the irony is the chosen ones never know they are chosen. Yeah.
1: So that's it. I mean, Daisy's left.
0: Eddie's left. Eddie's
1: left. Graham cannot get on that bus. He can't sit. He can't take those steps up there and sit next to Karen you can't do it. No. So then we cut to 1997 Karen. So now we're kind of like, you know, this is what happened. This is the end of the band. And then now we're in the, you know, the, 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 the where are the they role. now? Where are they now? First, 1997 Karen. I wanted to be a rock and roll star. I wanted to play my songs in front of thousands of people and and she goes and i have just that and she has a band and they kind of look like the background singers like for the robert palmer you know yeah. girls. addicted to love yeah yeah. and um she has a guitar, and then the band's name is candy floss and the song is called solitude and it has the little credits like you used to see on mtv which yep. made me happy and the album is glissando but i like the fact that I mean, those are funny, because first of all, Solitude, because she's alone, and then also Glissando, the whole, it's very keyboardy. Yeah. And then um, Graham says, I moved back home, fell in love, and he falls in love, like you see him kind of look across the bar. In a bar, just like, yeah. A, it's just like a cute lady. Um, I have a wife and kids now who are my world, and there's home movies playing in the background, and I've got Karen to thank for that. I'd probably still be pining after her if she hadn't been brutally honest with me that night. And then Karen's cut to Karen and she looks sad and she says, I told him what he needed to hear, but I wasn't being honest with him. So, I...
0: I think she really loved him.
1: I think she loved him. Yeah, I think in some ways she loved him more than he loved her because I think... She loved him. She led him in her life. I think she's a person who had a lot of barriers up, but she was I, never going to be able to give him the kind of love he wanted, the kind of life he wanted.
0: She loved him enough to let him go.
1: Yeah. I think ultimately he would have stayed with her and been unhappy. Like he would I have
0: he, I think he could have been happy. I think I think he could have, but I think Karen would I I would suspect because I know I would I think that she would worry that he would wake up one day and be filled with regret
1: well yes that yeah that maybe that's a better way I think that he would still be like oh I wonder what would have happened. I wish we would have had kids I wish I would have could have been a dad
0: I think he would wake up one day and and look back and regret the fact that he didn't have kids and he really really wanted kids
1: and I don't think being a rock star was as much of a goal for Graham. Graham was kind of, he wanted to, he started the band because he wanted to meet girls, but like that, he wanted to find love and Billy was the one who's like, we're going to be rock stars. Mm-hmm. So then we go to Eddie and he's formed his own band um, and they show him um, playing at clubs and he goes, you know, I had my own band, but we never really made it big. He goes, and I'm still gigging. and My life's fine know, it's fine Let's... it's
0: fine everything's fine it's everything's
1: fine. fine and then we cut to warren and warren is like oh i'm a session drummer and he's like i played on some really important records and he goes uh you know he he married lisa in 1982 and he has twin girls and he goes um no one asked me to sign their tits anymore um that's okay <laughs> oh but that's not true it's lisa sometimes um, she'll just do it to be nice. I thought that was so funny, and I love how there's—it's all about the boat. Still, like the, the, when they show him with the kids, the the boat's named Aurora. When they're when they show him with his twin daughters, it's you know in front of the boat. It's very boat. Well, I think when they got married, it's very boat oriented. I mean, could have just been to save money, but it was just funny. um and he's, like, I love the picture of him in a recording session, and he's, like, full 80s. Like, he just looks like John Oates, his hair. Like the and the
0: mesh beard. shirt and the blazer and over it. the blazer.
1: It. He looks so cute. And um, then we get we cut to Simone, and she's she and Bernie opened a club, and she says, it's ours, we play it, and sometimes I get, I even get up there myself, and I kill. I think she says something like that. And the club is called um, Haven. Haven. And then Rod, um, he's like, oh, I almost quit the business. It broke my heart when they fell apart. And then he starts waxing poetic. I just felt like we didn't need to go into all that, but it's basically about how you don't want to get hurt again. It's like falling in love. But he's, um, he's outside somewhere, and it's obviously he still has his like '70s hair, not his '90s fluffy hair. Like you know, both are very distinct hairstyles. Um, and then he hears some buskers, and he goes, well. And then he cuts back to him, and it's like, oh, well, that's a sto- another story. So we don't, I don't know, maybe there's, you know, another. He Obviously, he ended up managing some other band or bands. And then Billy says, Teddy died in 1983. They found him hunched over a soundboard after an all-night session. He died doing what he loved, just like he said. And then we cut to the Merv Griffin interview that we've seen footage of, of Teddy before, and he says, um, "How Merv asks him, how do you want the world to remember you? And Teddy says, um, the world won't remember me, but they will remember the music, and I'm okay with that. So let's kind of talk about how we feel where everybody ended up. Um, you know, I
0: mean... I'm glad to see that Simone is living her authentic self now and is at a place in, you know, 1997 where she felt like she could be authentic about. But again, we don't actually say it. She just says, Bernie and I opened a club and we see, you know, scenes from her of her and Bernie and they're kissing out in the open. Um, So she, you know, she began to get comfortable and accept herself. You know, I think that Warren's. Warren's end of, you know, just being this session player who's played with all these great, on these great albums is very fitting and what I would expect um, of Warren. Um, So, yeah, I mean, you know, I think, I think that, you know, they all kind of ended up, you know, where, where I would expect them to be if they didn't stay, you know, Daisy Jones and the Six.
1: I mean, what's interesting to me, though, is so Karen and Warren ended up still doing music and Eddie, but Graham doesn't say anything about doing music. Mm-mm. So,
0: yeah, he came back to Pittsburgh.
1: No, nope, He came back.
0: Settled down. So then we see Daisy and Daisy says, everything I have and everything I've done, my music, my sobriety, my daughter, is all because I left that night. And, you know, you're seeing... As she says each of those things, you're seeing something. You're seeing her say, you know... She's like... It's like an overdub. Like, she's narrating. Because they're showing scenes of, like... um, Warren playing drums on a recording session for her. And then you see, like, a marquee at a theater. It says, Daisy Jones sold out. And then you see, you know, her daughter at the ballet class running up to hug Daisy. And Daisy has, like, that great 80s hair because it's, like, kind of permed and it's pulled up. Yes. Like, just the front's pulled up and she has a scrunchie on. I'm sorry. Yeah. I get, like, I got caught up in that detail. But it, it, it made me No, because I was trying to think, smile. like,
1: how old probably was her kid. So her kid was probably yeah. born in the 80s. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, but each of those, you know, like, she's speaking again and she says, you know, everything I have. And everything that I've done, my music, my sobriety, my daughter, is all because I left that night. And the interviewer, who we now know is Julia, says, have you, have you been in love since? And Daisy says, oh, many times. I'm sure you've read about them. But with Billy, it was different. Okay, so we know Julia has been revealed as Julia. And Daisy is comfortable enough to say, you know, I've been in love several times. You've read about them but what i had with billy was different and billy billy said billy comes into this line and this is um, very similar to what was in the book billy says everything that made daisy burn made me burn and in the book it's just just billy saying this but in in the in this scene it's they're going kind of back and forth and you see them singing together in the honeycomb session and doing the hawaii hawaii concert and then you hear daisy say Everything I loved about the world, he loved about the world. And that was the scene where they were driving to the beach that night. Billy says, everything I struggled with, she struggled with. Daisy drunk at the pool party is what we see. And Daisy says, we were two halves in that way you almost never find with anyone. And we see Daisy singing, more fun to miss as Billy watches. And we see the Chicago performance. Billy comes back and says, but at the same time, we were a mess, two natural disasters who needed to heal. And that cuts to that scene of him running and finding her in the, um, in the shower passed out. And then the one after the press conference where they're arguing in the hallway and then the one in the back of Billy's bus and them singing together. And then Daisy says, I don't think we could have done that. I mean, I know we wouldn't have done that, at least not then. And while she's saying this, we see them singing in the concert, and then Billy's in the foreground with Camilla in the background, and Simone and Daisy before before they go to rehab. So the 1997 versions are recognizing what they were. Yeah. That they were very, very similar. That they were cut from the same cloth. That they were the two very similar tortured souls But in the end, they knew that they were terrible for each other at that point in their lives. Yeah. They knew that they were terrible for each other. And they could not have done what they both went on to do had they gotten together.
1: Well, and I just love what Daisy says when she says, you know, everything, everything, everything to when I left that night and I love the language because she's using like a lot of sobriety kind of language like she mm-hmm. is a person who's obviously done the work like mm-hmm. you know she when you listen to people who are sober um, these are the kinds of things that they say and I just appreciate it so much because I want the we want her to be okay so they've said all these things, and then Billy goes, Jules, you know all this, you know, and and she goes, no, she wants, you know, Julia wants him to say it. And so Billy's like, I got out of rehab, I went to therapy, I did the program, and I won Camila back. And there's these nice home movies of them being married and happy. And he goes, plus I got to right some wrongs, and you know, he got to make it up to her, to Julia, for missing things. So he, you know, things that he missed. And then he says, and then your mother got sick.
0: And then we cut to Karen, and Karen said she was the reason that I joined the band. And we th- and you know, you can think about what that, what that looked like. Mm-hmm. You know, that phone conversation of them calling Karen and asking her to join and wanting to speak to Camilla and asking if they were worth it. And Camilla says, I wouldn't be here if they weren't. And then Eddie, cuts to Eddie, and Eddie's, you know, again, now that we know that it's Julia, he's like, you, you know, you know, I would have been there. I would have been there. I, I just didn't, I didn't know. And what he meant was he didn't know if it would be okay with Billy for him to be there. And then Daisy, she saw a future for me that I couldn't see myself. And she was right. Because, again, we know, Camila has said it throughout this throughout this relationship, that she was Daisy Jones' biggest fan. And then they cut to Graham. And Graham can't even put words together.
1: And let's talk about it. Let's talk there. You um, just can't
0: say it. I know, it's so sad. <laughs> and, the, and, then, and those kinds of things, I mean, like where a man can't find words kills me every time but he couldn't I mean, if a a
1: person's voice cracks i'll start crying so of course um you know um because i just i'm a participatory crier so um the fact that graham can't talk and you know we talked about it a little bit before when we get the reveal of julia but it just makes everything make so much more sense when you go back and watch the very beginning when they're all sitting down to the interview especially graham because Graham just goes well, however long you need and you're like oh he's so sweet to that interviewer but then you know if you if you I mean I knew so I was like oh he's being so sweet to Julia but if you don't know you're probably like why is he so nice and it's because it's his niece and also I would say I know I went back and watched the beginning just before we watched this and if you look at Graham's interview when he goes to sit down next to him is all family pictures mm-hmm So, um, you know, it's just it's just so the fact that Graham can't say anything is just so sweet. And it to me shows that whatever happened, at least he had a relationship. He had a good relationship with his brother enough that he was so much still a part of Camila's life. Yeah.
0: And so we cut and we've kind of broken that fourth wall and we're no longer interviewing. We've got Billy and Julia sitting next to each other. And Billy says, she was the love of my life. And I can say that now and know that it's the truth. Give me all the platinum albums, all the money, all of this, and I would hand it all back to you for one more minute with her. And Warren says, what's crazy is that anyone is that anyone even remembers the six. And he's sitting on his Aurora boat. The shot is, it's, it, he's voicing over, and the shot is, it looks like him micing up and getting ready to sit down at the very beginning. Yeah. But they cut to the back of the boat, and the, back is, and the boat's called Aurora. And Eddie said, when the Aurora, and you see now a scene of Eddie playing in a club, sparsely populated club. But Eddie says, um, when Aurora was re-released on CD, we sold another two or three million copies. And then Graham says, you know, I was in the car the other day and I heard, I heard the song, I heard these, I don't remember which song he said he heard, but I heard the song and, um, it was on the classic rock station. And I just thought that that was crazy. And Billy says, it's fun to think about some, it's fun to think you did something. You left your mark on the world. And Julia we cut to Daisy, and Julia says, "Um, would you ever do it again? And Daisy says, do what, honey? And Julia says, you know, Daisy. This is, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how your mother would feel about that. And Julia, they cut to Julia, and Julia has a a little knowing smile on her face. And she says, I do. And Daisy just kind of looks at her, kind of questioning
1: Um, I just love the um, honey part when she says do what honey first of all Riley has a southern accent like there's times when her accent comes out
0: yeah her accent do what
1: what, honey the way she said that and just the way now that we know who Julia is this is a person she probably hasn't seen Julia but she saw her when she was a baby and you know I, I don't know like I don't see your kids very much but when I see Barrett and Sam, I I still remember holding Sam in the hospital. Mm -hmm. You know, like they're they're still babies to me. They're still these little boys that I, you know, that I'm sorry, that's Rachel's kids. But they're these boys that I feel this like they're always going to be little kids to me. Mm -hmm. You know. Um,
0: Well, then I mean, think about it. Camilla would say that you know Julia wanted to be Daisy. I want my hair like I mean, she was she she was totally enamored with Daisy as a young child. Um.
1: So then yeah. we cut to... Okay, let's get through it. Ah, okay, we get through Um, Camilla sits down, and she's like, adjust. oh, where do you want me to sit? And then she adjusts her wig. And my husband saw this, he saw this part, he was kind of watching along with me the first time, and he was like, oh. And so we know that this is she's done this interview when she knows that she's very ill and you know she's like i look terrible and and julia's like no you look beautiful and she asks, so who are you talking to and she goes oh all the guys you know and uncle uncle graham and she goes um are you going to talk to daisy and she goes yeah if she she will i might and she goes if you do tell her that i'm happy for her and so while this stuff sorry, while this is happening because I'm so emotional about this, we see this from Julia's, you know, little her camcorder screen and it's Daisy watching Camila. And she goes, oh, Can you imagine? And she says, Tell her that I'm happy for her. She's made such a beautiful life for herself and I've always been her biggest fan. And then we cut to um Daisy has her puts her hand As she's watching it, she puts her hand on Julia's shoulder. I thought that was so sweet.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um, then we cut to Julia showing Billy this video of Camilla. Um, And Camilla says, you know what else? Tell your father to give Daisy Jones a call. And she says, we've had such a beautiful marriage. We, cho- we we chose each other. But nothing in this life is as simple as we want it to be. So one day, when he's ready, tell your father to give Daisy Jones a call. And tell Daisy Jones to answer. And at the very least, the two of them owe me a song. Jesus. <laughs> Um, I don't even know what to say about the line of, you know, we chose each other. We had a wonderful marriage. We chose each other. Um, so then we see Billy and then obviously some time has passed because, um, hair looks a little bit different, but we see, um, Billy walk up to the door of, at that point, we don't know whose home it is, but Billy's walking up to a door. And he knocks on the door and Daisy opens the door. And we cut and we see Billy's face and Billy's smiling at her. And we cut and we see Daisy's face and Daisy is smiling. And it's just this kind of knowing, familiar smile.
1: Yeah, it's a big smile.
0: And then we cut to the song and this is where I will tell you I lost it. (laughs) <laughs> because the song, the song that they chose, and I'm going to lose it getting through this, was um, "Shine a Light" from the Rolling Stones. And if you have never heard the Stone song, you need to listen to it because it was a perfect song choice for the end of this,
1: yeah. for the no. end of the series. It's you can't well you just can't ask for a better ending to something um yeah i just I, i mean i think it's just it's perfect and i mean in the book it's less tragic because they're in their 60s you know this is this is some bullshit that camilla dies this young
0: yeah
1: you know um
0: But the book is still as gut-wrenching, I will tell you. it's
1: still gut-wrenching. Because I know.
0: Because I know I made a a TikTok after I finished listening to the audiobook the first time in 2022. Um, That was the first time I had... It had been on my TBR forever. The book was released in 2020. Been on my TBR since it was released. Um, Finally listened to the audiobook in 2022. And I recorded a TikTok after I finished listening to the audiobook and I said I was not well and I was I was not well at that point in time and from that point anybody who would listen to me or that I thought would read a book I said you have to you have to listen to this audiobook or you have to get this book to read you have and I just anybody I told you about it anybody that would listen I would say if they told me, if they even gave me the slightest inclination that they like to read books, I would tell them about this book.
1: Well, I just, I love the conceit of like I think one one of the best things they do they do in this show and in the book. The book is um, an oral history, which I love. Oral histories, I love. Um, I've got a lot of books like that. An SNL oral history. Um, I like anything like that. And then the fact so to take that conceit and then do for this is basically almost like a music documentary like almost like a behind the music Mm -hmm. it's so good just that story and then the way that she reveals what happens and then you know it's just i mean it's just gut-wrenching to know that camila's gone and to know that she did but also that she did have a happy marriage and that she had a you know a good life with billy and she also
0: left this permission for billy yeah. He, she left this permission for Billy um, and for Daisy um, yeah. to I mean, go back and reconnect. Because at least they could give her a song. Well, <laughs> you know, it may, it may be that they're at points in their lives where they're not meant to be anything to each other, friends, nothing. Um, but at least they could get together and give Camilla a song.
1: So what do you think happens after I don't know I think they at least become friends I think they do write a song together I think like I could see them because this so it's 1997 so that's when all like that's when Fleetwood Mac had their reunion stuff and started you know touring again because they realized all those bands realized how much money they could make like the Eagles and like by reuniting you know so um I think that I in my head I think they would have no, well, I I think they might have been able to get the six back together. Oh,
0: I maybe think they Ed, could have.
1: I think maybe not Eddie, but I'm bet Eddie's blown through a lot of money trying to make records that didn't nobody listen to, so he'd probably do it for the money. I yeah, mean, I if, think they could definitely get a reunion Fry tour, and um, Don Henley and all those guys could figure out a way to go back on tour again. Definitely, Daisy Jones on the six. Yeah, could
0: have. I must I think they could have gotten it, but I don't. I don't know. I guess at the point where I finished the book, um. I didn't need to know what happened next. Okay. Like it ended for me.
1: Yeah, I think in the book it ended, but seeing them together on um
0: on scene on screen.
1: Yeah, it it um I don't know, it made me want more. Cuz it's just it was such a delightful it was just such a great show. I thought sure. I mean, I would say the first couple of episodes are rough. I think if you can get to third episode 3 um then that's when it gets really good. Yeah. So the first Well, we talked about how
0: they released them. Yeah. And I think if you had just released episode one and made everybody wait a week to get episode two, you probably would have lost people. Yeah. But because people could come in and binge three episodes, um, I think that was a really smart move on Amazon's part to get people hooked in and hopefully keep them hooked in for the entirety of the series. That's it. That's um, it. I think think what we we should probably do is like take a week or so to kind of think and plan because we do have more that we want to talk about. Yeah. I think we do have more that we want to talk about. You know, there's tons of news, you know, there's tons of articles that are out there. I don't know that we're going to say anything new or innovative, um, but hopefully if you've stuck around for this many episodes, you might be interested in our perspective on some other things because I do think that there's lots more to talk about.
1: Okay, yeah, if anybody has you know any people who've already reached out want to reach out and tell tell us how they felt about the ending, were they surprised, what they feel about it, um, what their funeral playlist song would be. I'd love to hear that and I think we'll let's we'll take off a week.
0: Yeah, let's take a week and, I mean we've got a we've got a list of things that we've accumulated over the course of the last 11 weeks, um, 12 weeks to that we've accumulated that we want to, you know, that we've thought about, oh, this would make a great episode. Things to do with the music, um, you know, the book itself, the audio book. Um, so let us take a week or so to kind of gather our thoughts and make some more definitive plans because we like to have plans. Um, and then stay uh, subscribe to our, our YouTube channel because we may put out some short little videos in between now and then. Um, definitely look at our Instagram um, we'll, we'll put some more stuff out on Instagram as well um, as we start making some plans to get back in here and um, continue the conversation
1: well and I just want to say Rachel my friend, this You're gonna make me cry. the best experience, I
0: know we've had a blast, we've had a blast Listen, It being two able friends to talk are... to you
1: two, every week about this and about things we love and kind of you know just you know being able
0: to talk to my friends has been wonderful it has been it has been we've been very um we have been very conscientious since the pandemic um with our friendship so um we've just been more conscientious about it with our friendship so I think that it has been a great thing and um we'll continue to find ways to make appointments with each other to talk and then we'll just record it and let you guys sit in on the conversation <laughs> we just have have so many things to say so again don't forget we're on youtube um nobody's muses you can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast and on instagram at nobody's muses and don't forget email you can find us at nobody's muses at gmail.com we would love to hear from you if you have any thoughts on something we need to break down and talk about that maybe we missed some highlight moments um that you think you would like to hear a deeper dive into from us um, please let us know. We would love to hear from you all. And we will talk again very, very soon. Bye. Bye.